Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Amara, and this is Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast. On this episode of Black Girl Gone, I bring you the stories of two missing women, Bianca Green and Christina Voltaire. Both women went missing in 2011, and neither of them have been found. Bianca Green was 24 years old and living in Romulus, Michigan, with her four-year-old son. She was in school and working when she suddenly disappeared on March 25, 2011. Twelve years later, the murder of another young woman would reignite questions in Bianca's disappearance. Three months earlier, and hundreds of miles away, Christina Voltaire was living in Winter Haven, Florida, when she disappeared on January 8, 2011. Like Bianca, Christina was in college. The night that she was last seen, a friend came to borrow her car, but... When he returned 45 minutes later, Christina was gone. And no one ever saw her again. Twelve years after her disappearance, her family is still looking for answers. What happened to these women? And who is responsible for their disappearances? This is Bianca and Christina's story. It's been 12 years since Bianca disappeared, but a recent arrest and the murder of another young woman has brought her story back to the surface. Like most missing person cases, there are more questions about Bianca's disappearance than answers. Bianca's family has never given up hope that they would find out what happened to her, and now they could be closer than ever to getting those answers. Bianca was born on March 4th, 1987, and she was the oldest of three girls. Her family and friends affectionately called her BB. Now, there isn't much information about Bianca's childhood, but her mom, Lisa, described her daughter as sweet and trusting, joyful and beautiful. In an interview with TV One, she said that Bianca wasn't someone who was very outgoing. She was kind of sheltered, and so she wasn't really street smart. But Lisa said, even with that, her daughter was far from a dummy. She just didn't know certain things, but it was more because of her naivete and inexperience with life. 
At some point, Bianca met a man named Jameer Miller, and they began dating. Eventually, Bianca got pregnant and gave birth to a little boy who she named Jameer Jr. Now, we don't know the details about their relationship, but Lisa, Bianca's mom, said that it was on again, off again. Bianca was young and in love, and she just couldn't let go of her relationship with Jameer, despite the issues that seemed to exist. And when it came to her son, Jameer Jr., Bianca was determined to give him a good life. So often when I tell the stories of women who had children, they're always described as good moms, dedicated moms who love their children, which just adds to the tragedy. I mean, these women were just doing their best to provide for their children, and then someone comes along and takes everything from them. Like I said, Bianca was, by all accounts, a good mom. She began working at the airport at a sandwich shop, but she had bigger dreams. She wanted to be a nurse, and so she enrolled in the Wayne County Community College. Her mom said that she worked early mornings at the restaurant and then took classes in the evening two or three days a week. It was a lot to balance, but Bianca was doing her best to hold it all together. Her and Jameer continued to see each other, but in 2011, life got a little bit more complicated when Bianca found out that she was pregnant again. Elisa said that Bianca was overwhelmed. Between her son, his father, and school and work, she had begun to crack under the pressure. Lisa said in her TV One interview that Bianca would leave her son with his father when she needed a break, but never for long periods of time, and she would always come back. If she had already been under a certain amount of stress, then being pregnant would have only made it worse. For those of us who have been pregnant, then, you know, managing stress while you're pregnant is extremely important. And those first few weeks can be the hardest for some women. And so it's not hard to imagine that a young mother who was in school and working was struggling to keep it all together. When it comes to Bianca's disappearance, like I said in the beginning, there are a lot of unanswered questions. And those questions began the day that she went missing. There are conflicting reports about where Bianca was last seen, and so it's not clear the timeline or what exactly happened. But according to her mom, Lisa, she last saw her daughter sometime that afternoon when she came to her job. Lisa said that Bianca was wearing her uniform, and so that leads us to believe that she had gone to work that morning. And apparently, it was routine for her to stop by her mom's job and bring her a sandwich. But... When Bianca left, it was the last time that her mom would ever see her again. Now, when I said that the reports about Bianca's disappearance were conflicting, it's because there's reporting that says Bianca was last seen at her job, while others say that she was last seen at her apartment. And because there's no timeline provided or witnesses identified, it's hard to really know where or when she was last seen. I mean, it's possible that Bianca was seen after leaving her mom's job. It's just not clear if that's what happened exactly. But later that evening, we do know that Lisa started receiving strange messages from her daughter. We don't know exactly what the messages said, but according to Lisa, they said things about wanting to leave forever and start a new life. 
She told her mom that she was on her way to Ohio and that she would call her when she got there. It kind of seemed as if Bianca had hit a breaking point. But Lisa said that she had threatened to leave before, but she never actually did. And so Lisa really didn't think that she would. But after those messages were sent, the communication stopped and Bianca's phone began going straight to voicemail. Despite the messages she received from Bianca, Lisa knew that something was wrong because she knew that her daughter wouldn't really leave her son behind. She also wouldn't cut off communication. And so after being unable to reach Bianca, Lisa contacted the police to report her missing. But early on, police believed that Bianca was a voluntary missing person. The messages sent to Lisa that day that she was last seen indicated that she wanted to leave and that she wasn't in danger. However, there were things that Bianca left behind that even if she had wanted to leave and be on her own, she would have taken with her. Inside her home, she had left most of her personal belongings behind, including her car. But her purse and cell phone were gone. As the days went by with no word from Bianca, her family was becoming increasingly more worried. It wasn't lost on them that Bianca was struggling, but they knew what kind of mother she was, and there was no way that she would have just cut off all contact with them and her son, even if she needed a break. After reporting her daughter missing, Lisa also reached out to local Crime Stoppers for help and they helped her with creating flyers and offering a reward for information. But there were very few leads about where Bianca went in the weeks after she vanished. It's not clear if police ever traced Bianca's phone, but they did access her bank accounts and credit cards and found no activity, which is hard to understand if she had left on her own. And she told her mom that she was on her way to Ohio on a bus, so... Did they ever find a ticket purchased on her account? And if she had left or gone somewhere voluntarily, then how was she surviving without using her own money? So many things did not make sense about Bianca's disappearance, but it seems as if police were convinced that this was not a case of foul play. As part of their investigation, they did speak to Jameer, but... They didn't have any evidence that he was involved or knew where Bianca was. Her family said that they too had their suspicions, but tried to give Jameer the benefit of the doubt. They were focused on finding Bianca. Lisa continued to pay Bianca's cell phone for two months after she went missing, hoping that eventually she would be able to reach her daughter, but she never did. In the months after, there were various alleged sightings of Bianca. One sighting placed her in Atlanta. And then one day, Lisa said she received a call from the police saying that they found a young pregnant woman who fit Bianca's description living in some apartments. They gave Lisa the address, and so she went over there and knocked on the door. But when she saw the young woman, she knew it wasn't her daughter. After that, the leads began to dry up. Police did not suspect foul play, but they did suspect that Bianca may have been suicidal. Her family, however, 
felt differently. They did not dispute that Bianca was dealing with a lot of issues. And her mom believed that the messages she received that night were from Bianca. But they just found it hard to believe that she would have just abandoned her life. She was also pregnant. So what about the baby? Although police were not prioritizing Bianca's case, her family was not giving up trying to find out what happened to her. Her mom, Lisa, hoped that they were all wrong and that Bianca had left and started over. When asked in her TV One interview what her questions were about her daughter's disappearance, she said, quote, I wonder if she had the baby. Is she in a shelter? Did she leave by bus or plane? There are so many counties and cities. Where do I begin? A year after her disappearance, her family held a press conference with the help of the local Crime Stoppers. Her mom, Lisa, along with Bianca's son, Jameer Jr., his father, Jameer Sr., and Bianca's uncle, appeared in front of the cameras to plead for the public's help in locating information about Bianca. Giving a cry out to the nation because I need all the help that I can get in finding my daughter. It's hard being a, a single father, and it's hard for, for me to even tell him what's going on with her. And then his birthday coming up, April 18th, and uh, it's gonna be the second one she went around. Say, Mommy, we miss you. Mommy, we miss you. And we want you to come home. And we want you to come home. And we want God to bring you home. In the years following, there was no new information released about Bianca's disappearance. Lisa said she reached out to national news organizations like CNN, but they never responded. Bianca's story was featured on the TV One show Find Our Missing, but other than that, there was little to no attention paid to the missing pregnant mother. And that's how things remained for 12 years, until a nurse named Patrice Wilson was kidnapped and murdered in Detroit in May 2023. On May 13, 2023, Patrice Wilson, a 29-year-old nurse, ended her shift at a Detroit medical center and headed to her car. But as she approached her vehicle, a man in a blonde wig came up behind her with a gun and forced her into the passenger seat of her car, and then sped away. And because there was surveillance cameras in the parking area of the hospital, the entire abduction was caught on camera. It was clear that the person holding the gun was a man wearing a wig in an attempt to hide his identity. But it didn't work. And after speaking to family and friends of Patrice, they identified the suspect as Jameer Miller Sr., the father of Bianca's son. Now, according to Patrice's family, she and Jameer had dated for a little while, but she had broken up with him and had been trying to get away from him. But Jameer was abusive, and he would not leave Patrice alone. A day after the kidnapping, Patrice's car was found in the parking lot of an apartment building. And when police popped the trunk, they found Patrice dead. She had been shot in the head. Police issued a warrant for the arrest of Jameer, and on Sunday, May 14, 2023, Jameer turned himself into police. A few weeks later, on June 1st, 
he was formally charged with Patrice's murder. When Bianca's family learned what happened, it was shocking. But it also made them wonder if Jameer had in fact been responsible for what happened to Bianca this whole time. Over the past several years, her family has leaned more and more into the possibility that foul play was involved in Bianca's disappearance. And now that Jameer had been arrested for the brutal murder of an ex, there were even more questions. After Jameer's arrest, police acknowledged his connection to Bianca, but would not comment on the case other than to say that the two cases were not connected. But it's hard to ignore the disturbing coincidences. One man, two women, one missing, and one murdered. It raises the question, what else does Jameer know? Since police are not commenting, we have no idea if they are looking into Bianca's case again. But hopefully they will. And if Jameer was involved, hopefully he will confess and help bring her family and their son that closure. As of today, all we know for sure is that Bianca has been missing for 12 years, and her family just wants to know what happened to her. Her four-year-old son is now a teenager, and his loss has been devastating. What his father is now accused of doing, I'm sure, only adds to his ongoing trauma. Despite the many holes in this story and the numerous unknowns, This case deserves our attention, and so we have to continue to share it until Bianca is found and her family's questions are answered. Bianca Green was last seen in Romulus, Michigan on March 25, 2011. She is about five feet tall and has brown hair and brown eyes. She was last seen in a white shirt and black pants. If you have any information about Bianca's disappearance, please contact the Romulus Police Department. The second story this week is about the disappearance of Christina Voltaire. This case is also 12 years old and has been cold for a long time. Like Bianca's case, Christina's story never made much noise in the media. Even locally, this wasn't a very big story. Christina was originally from Haiti. She was born there on August 1st, 1988. But in 1999, her father moved them to the United States, where they settled in Winter Haven. At the time, Christina was only nine, and so she spent her teenage years there. But according to her father, she started hanging around a crowd that she did not approve of. He said that he decided to move to Palm Bay so that he could get his daughter away from the people that she was hanging out with. But she decided that she didn't want to go. And so in 2007, he moved and Christina stayed in Winter Haven. At the time, Christina was 19 and she was enrolled at Kaiser University where she was majoring in nuclear science. But while she was a student, Christina found out that she was pregnant and eventually gave birth to a little girl that she named Audrey. Sadly, when Audrey was just one years old, she tragically died in January of 2010. 
Now, the circumstances and cause of her death are unknown, but as you can imagine, as a mother losing her child was devastating for Christina. After the loss of her daughter, she made the decision that she was going to move to Palm Bay, where her dad and other family members lived. Kaiser University had a campus there, and so she was planning to transfer to that campus so she could finish her degree. By January 2011, it had been almost a year since her daughter's death, and Christina was preparing for her move. She had also made plans to go back to Haiti that summer to visit her mom. But before Christina could do any of the things that she planned that year, she disappeared. On January 8th, 2011, Christina left her home to head to a local IHOP for breakfast. Once there, she ran into an old coworker of hers who she spoke to briefly. She also had a hair appointment that day, but she decided to move it to a different day. And so according to the ledger, at around 10.35 a.m., she contacted the salon and moved her appointment. She then finished her breakfast and left the IHOP at about 11.30 a.m. According to reports, Christina wasn't feeling well that day, and so that's why she canceled her appointment. Her plan was to go home and lay down, and so that's what she did. At that point, everything seemed to be normal. The people who saw Christina and spoke to her that morning said that there was nothing out of the ordinary about her demeanor or behavior. Now, at about 10 minutes to 8 p.m. that evening, Christina got a knock on her apartment door. It was a friend of hers named Charles who lived in the same apartment complex. Christina had met Charles when she dated his brother, Dussel. But according to Dussel, they hadn't been together for about 8 to 10 months prior to January 2011, and he said that the relationship ended on good terms. Christina's father, however, said that she had confided in him that Dussel had been aggressive and violent with her and that she was afraid of him. But she and Charles had apparently remained friendly, and so when he knocked on her door that evening, it wasn't completely out of the ordinary. According to Charles, around 7.30 that evening, his car broke down about two blocks from Christina's apartment, and so he walked to her house, arriving at around 7.50. He said that when he got there, Christina was in her robe, sitting on her bed, drinking tea, and doing work on her laptop. He asked her if he could borrow her car while he tried to figure out what was wrong with his. Christina agreed, and before he left, he called his mechanic. Now, when he left the apartment, according to the Charlie Project, he locked the door behind him. He then drove back to his car to assess the damage, and when his mechanic arrived, he told him that he had a hole in his engine. And after that, according to Charles, he drove over to his mother's house to get some food from her. He left his mom's house around 8.15 and arrived back at Christina's apartment 15 minutes later. Now, Christina's door was unlocked, and according to Charles, he went inside, but Christina was not there. When he went into her bedroom where he last saw her, the robe that she was wearing was on the bed, along with her laptop, her purse, and her keys. But there was no sign of a struggle. But 
Christina is nowhere to be found. Charles said that he left Christina's apartment that night, but when he came back the next morning, she still had not come back. And he said that he started to get worried, and so he began calling around to see if anyone had seen her. He even called the local hospital, but Christina was nowhere. And after being unable to locate her, Charles called and reported Christina missing. After police received the missing persons report, they began their investigation by speaking to the brothers, Ducell and Charles. But only one of the brothers was cooperative, and that was Charles. Ducell got a lawyer right away and refused to speak to the police without his lawyers present. But he did speak to the ledger about his relationship with Christina. He said that they had met at a party in 2007 and began dating. Eventually, they moved in together and lived together for less than a year. However, they still stayed together after they moved apart. He said that when Christina got pregnant, he believed that he was the father. But when Audrey died in January 2010, he saw that another man had been listed as the father on her birth certificate when he went to file the insurance paperwork. Dussel said that he wasn't angry when he found out. He was just disappointed. But he didn't want to make a big deal about it because Christina was grieving her daughter. He claimed that it was the reason their romantic relationship ended, but he said that they remained friends. And the week before she went missing, she had come to visit him at the school where he was taking classes to be an x-ray tech. When asked about the allegations made by Christina's father, he denied ever being violent with Christina. But in that interview, he also claimed that his brother and Christina were more than friends. But Charles denied that and insisted that they were really just friends. At the time Christina disappeared, Dussel was in Miami, and police were able to verify his alibi through ATM withdrawals and cameras. And so he was ruled out as a suspect. As for Charles, he had been cooperative. He was the one that had reported Christina missing, and so police had no reason to believe that he had something to do with her disappearance. And they were also able to verify his alibi for those 45 minutes. There were some searches for Christina, and police turned to the public for help, but they received very few tips about Christina's disappearance. Initially, police believed that Christina had been with Dussel, but when they confirmed his alibi and determined that she wasn't, they hit a dead end. Christina didn't have any credit cards, and she also didn't have a cell phone for police to trace. No one had any information about Christina's disappearance, and she wasn't having any problems in her life, aside from the tragedy of losing her daughter and whatever was happening between her, Ducelle, and Charles. But two months later, Christina's father revealed something that had not previously been known. He said that before she disappeared, Christina told him that she had a tough decision to make. She had to choose between Ducel and Charles. Now, was it possible that Christina was in some kind of love triangle between these two brothers? 
Well, that's definitely possible, but Charles has continued to maintain that he was not romantically involved with Christina. They were just good friends. And based on police interviews with Charles, they believed him, and they said that he had no reason to believe that he was lying. Christina's disappearance quickly turned into a cold case. And in the months and years after she went missing, there has been no information about Christina. Eventually, Charles moved to South Florida, and his exact whereabouts right now are unknown. But it's now been 12 years since Christina was last seen. And her story is another one that needs more attention. It's hard to believe that no one in her apartment complex heard or saw anything. But we know people don't just vanish. And so someone out there has to know something about what happened to Christina. Her story, like Bianca's story, is another one that we have to continue to share. Christina Voltaire was last seen at the Berkshire Apartments in Winter Haven, Florida, on January 8th, 2011. She's five foot two, and at the time of her disappearance, weighed 120 pounds. She has black hair and brown eyes. If you have any information about Christina's disappearance, please contact the Winter Haven Police Department. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a brand new story. In the meantime, make sure you follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.